0: There's always the, these challenges of um, working with the office to make sure that they understand that I, you know, I haven't gone off the deep end. I'm not going too native. I understand that you know we're trying to maintain a Wendy's image and still being successful and still being sensitive to the Japanese consumer as well as our Japanese competitors, which is why uh, we have to do things differently here. You know.
1: I thank you again for making this your second time. You know, you're one of my first interviewees, and that was actually in 2020. They would canceled the Olympics, and the new mm-hmm. Olympics was going to start. They were going to have it in 2021. You made some predictions. They came out really pretty close to what um, you said about. You said they're going to probably pull it off pretty well, and after that, then I asked you about Corona. How would mm-hmm. that go, would you think? And you said, look, I don't think we're going to stay in this state. I think it's gonna be something we'll get over, we'll learn to manage it, be it shots, be it whatever, but I don't think we're gonna be in the state all the time. And you said that that's probably one of your biggest benefits, you don't see benefits, but it's the fact that you're an optimist and you always look at the best. Like for example, you love the bubble time. Oh, (laughs) absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) I wanna go back. (laughs) But you hated Japan's approach of a hard landing. Right. Everyone else tries to basically make it a soft landing, but yeah. they tried it three times, three decades, and yeah. it never worked. Right. Every time, just decreasing the taxes a little bit, but still charging taxes, too much taxes, and yeah. no one could pay the taxes. They got less, less, less. Where are you now in your life? Because you told, you also talked about your Domino's franchise, which you had for 25 years. You talked about... But <laughs> your third vacantonic and tonic it got and involved with the Wendy's <laughs> made you say yes <laughs> to doing Wendy's yes. <laughs> you talked about that and then you really lucked, lucked out by getting with first kitchen which had the distribution but more importantly right. the personnel that's right yes to really grow by scale so how is first of all Wendy's doing mm-hmm. how is it doing right now
0: Okay, well, first of all, I'm honored to be asked to you. be on your podcast again, Lance. And uh, um, I couldn't remember all the things I said before, so I'm glad I said a few things that were right. Uh, I'm not always right. If you ask my wife, I'm always wrong. <laughs> I mean <don't think laughs> if you ask anyone's <laughs> wife. But, uh, okay, so going back a bit. Um, so, obviously, uh, it was really uh, kind of, if you will... Uh, a key moment for Wendy's to expand Japan by acquiring the first kitchen chain, which gave us scale, it gave us people, it gave us good location, legacy rents. So it really was the right move. There's no other move there um, to to get it going. Having said that, you know, I didn't predict Corona. <laughs> and uh, that obviously affected uh, most of the restaurant industry, uh, except actually Domino's, which I used to own, uh, they grew during the pandemic uh, because it's delivery. Uh, but uh, if you're in the normal restaurant business where people have to come to your store, obviously the, uh, the Corona situation was a, a real negative. And uh, the, so that really hit the, the restaurant industry. Um, what was the percentage of
1: companies that went out of business that went in the restaurant business?
0: You know, I don't have a number on that. Because it was. Because, it, and, and I'll go into it a little bit. It, I, I was surprised by a few things. But one of the things, you know, in life and, and in business, um, luck plays obviously a big role. So all the restaurant industry is affected. It depends upon which segment you're in. So I mentioned Domino's. If you're delivery, you actually did better. If you're izakaya you're really dead in the water because no one's gonna go drinking uh, after work because they're all all at home working from home well being in the fast food business first of all we did already have takeout that was part of our business model and that was one good element and our main business was in the daytime and, and alcohol is not a, a, a real big part of our business so those were the things where we were not affected and of course we tied up with like the Uber Eats that they might call the delivery concepts to then deliver our, our hamburgers. Uh, but our eating-in business did suffer and so um, we were affected and it affected our bottom line and, and uh, you know um, as I said along with all the, the whole industry but everyone was affected differently depending upon what you know segment of the restaurant industry because you've got from A through Z in terms of you know, being in like a, a bar restaurant to, to you know being in fast food to delivery you know, or a family restaurant. Family restaurants are also affected quite a lot. But the most amazing thing, Lance, and you know I've been here for a long time doing business, and I've been paying taxes, corporate taxes, personal income taxes. We talked about a lot a lot of taxes. And I, I never got in return from the government. This is the one time the government said, you know, we tell you guys you have to, you know, close down, you have to sh- you know shorten your operating art zone and they they were going to give us you know i think it was 100,000 they would it doesn't match our cost but then they adjusted and they actually said you know they did the most amazing thing they actually subsidized the restaurant industry uh that was the the only time i felt grateful that uh for anything the government did cuz until now whatever the government did was to just pay more taxes uh this time i actually got something back for all the taxes i paid and this was really uh I got sent for a lot of the restaurant industry. Having said that, not for everybody. But even for some, you know, small mom and pops, they're actually making more money than when they're in operations, depending upon their situation.
1: You mean now, or would they- No, during, during, during the, the, that time. During that time when they when had they the government subsidies. It, right. okay.
0: So it really depended. So, you know, how did some, a lot, of course, of the restaurants went out of business. That's true. But the, this is the one time the government really stepped up to the plate. I have to say it's very unusual. What they didn't realize is that companies like ourselves, you know, it's not by store. You know, we have a big infrastructure behind there. Have head office staff. We have, you know, HR. We've got marketing. We've got all kinds of, you know, operation people on the head office, which, of course, you know, uh, are not, didn't have any kind of uh, benefit from the government subsidies. But they realized that, you know, the larger companies were affected just as much as the mom and pops. And so they start to, started to make kind of accommodations not based upon a, you know, a one-size-fits-all, but more uh, based upon what your previous sales were and so on. And they adjusted the, the subsidies. So at the end of the day, as I said, being lucky, you know, it wasn't so bad for us um, because, of first of all, the segment of the restaurant industry that we're in, which is fast food, and on top of that, we actually did have uh, government subsidies. So, you know, there's no way to knock on wood. You know, those, those are some very positive things. And now, of course, we're coming out of this uh, pandemic. And um, when I say coming out, obviously, Corona is still there. Omicron is still there. But I think um, the, the psychology of, you know, not going out, not seeing people, not seeing your friends or family is gradually, you know, changing. And people are trying to get back to life. Uh, To normal life and um, and so as you know, people are going out People are being more cautious in the US and Europe where people have gone, you know, completely back to normal (laughs) Uh, uh, It's amazing, Uh, but uh, uh, things are getting better. So um, to your to your question, uh, you know, we went through a very, you know uh, Tough time. I was amazed by what the government did, but we weren't as affected as other businesses I don't know what the percentage of the companies that went bankrupt were, but there's quite a lot. I mean, you know, there's a big turnover. If if you look all around, you know, a lot of uh, places have closed. But on the other hand, there are a lot of companies that were that were actually surprisingly survived because of government subsidies. We were lucky in that, you know, we were we did okay. You know, we could have done. We were obviously doing better before uh, the pandemic. But um, between the fact that we're in the fast food segment and uh, we
1: had the government subsidies, uh, it's all right. Did your share percentage change any as a result of before? Because you said before, I think you said McDonald's was like 80% or 70% of the market, of the hamburger
0: ah. market? So McDonald's is one of the ones that, um, because they their business model, they also did well in this pandemic. And that's because they, a long time ago, really went heavy to drive throughs in the suburbs. So that means you can go there without even getting out of your car, you know. And in my own mind, McDonald's does not have to be even better. They're already doing well. Uh, but you know, they did even better. Yeah, did even better. It
1: did even better. Yes. But did that cut down your percentage? Of course. Uh, so,
0: uh, well, you know, we're not in the same game where you know <laughs> I I can I don't consider us competitors. You okay. know, um, so uh, we're trying to develop a niche. And and okay. uh, we you know my biggest strategy is not to go ahead to and compete with McDonald's because that doesn't sound
1: like a, a winning. Uh, do you have any, Do you feel like you're trying to make sure you don't have any competitors? That's where you're.
0: Well, so we have to make a differentiation, you know, and and, uh, so when I look at uh, McDonald's, they're dominant. They have 67% market share, probably it's bigger now. Um, But their business model is all about um, very low pricing and low cost and high volume. And so they keep their operations as simple as possible and and more of a, a simpler menu to allow for that high volume and low pricing. And of course, they're, they're massive in terms of their uh, distribution stores and uh, market penetration. So what I'm trying to do is, is uh, do what they cannot do and what we can do, which is uh, we can't go for the low price. We don't have the scale they have in terms of purchasing power. So we're going for more of a quality product and uh, perhaps a little bit more complicated, uh, uh, say like a sandwich build for our hamburgers. Because um, we're not as quick as them on, on what they call speed of service. Uh, on the other hand, you know we can give uh, more of a you know a different kind of uh, product and variety. You know we also sell pasta. We have a very extensive menu, which with the McDonald's model they're not so geared for variety. So you know we're trying to develop our niche based upon a little bit more on the quality side, a little bit more on the variety side, and um, you know, a little bit higher pricing. And uh, so uh, I, I, they wouldn't consider us competitors to begin with, but we're not trying to compete with them, that's mm-hmm. for sure. What yeah.
1: about the decor of your restaurants? Are you changing that too, to match your product? Or is so it Yes,
0: uh, so accordingly, you know, um, when you talk about the service industry, you know, it's not all about the food. It's about operations, it's about the atmosphere, it's about the service aspect, there's so many things. and um, no one thing is is the key thing. You have to have everything, the the whole total package, right? And that's why it's so difficult because they're moving parts, and you know something goes right here and something goes wrong there and so on. But certainly, we try to also position ourselves as a brand to be a little bit above fast food. And when we kind of rejiggered, uh, you know, combining Wendy's with his First Kitchen, and I might have mentioned this in my earlier. Um, Podcast, I'm not sure. But we, we did a, a customer survey as to what was good about Wendy's, what was good about First Kitchen. And uh, one of the things that neither had at that time was the so-called Starbucks third place coffee atmosphere where you could charge your um, mobile phone or your laptop. So those, that are obviously changes your kind of look and feel. Of course, now you know that's not a, a big secret. Everyone's trying to do that, uh, and you have to. It's almost a must, but at the time we we're starting this out, it was still not quite um, so obvious that that was so critical. Right. But today, you if you to. don't have them, <laughs> they're
1: not going to be. Yeah, there.
0: then you're in trouble. So that that kind of changed our, you know, how we kind of um, the you know, the atmosphere, the the ambiance, the
1: the look and feel of the store. When you had yeah. McDonald's, I mean, not McDonald's, sorry, Domino's. You also mentioned that you had problem with the headquarters because they had 12, you know, set. The, yes, you know, pieces and new things things. Things. So you mm-hmm. said you have to think global but act local, but don't act so local that you become native.
0: That's right. Yeah. Okay.
1: But the thing is, are you having that same issue with Wendy's? Because they had a big problem with you tying up with yes. um, First Kitchen. Yeah, I still face that actually. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. Generation. Yes.
0: You know, so, um, <laughs> you know, obviously we've got, we. you know, really. Wait. wait that uh, doesn't mean,
1: After the success yeah. you've had with Domino's, yeah. I'm sure you've told them the story. Yes. And they still want you to stick with what they do in the other countries.
0: So of course we've actually you know broken the mold by combining with First Kitchen. Right. So already you know we've we've gone way beyond pushing the envelope with them. Having said that, they still <laughs> want to have some kind of and rightfully so as, as the owner of the brand and uh, you know they're concerned about how they're perceived around the world. Uh, you know they're over nine billion dollars in sales, and they're one of the the top, you know, five chains in the United States. So um, the franchise is about, you know, the brand integrity, brand equity, all these kind of things. So they are concerned. They don't want me to to go too crazy. And the thing is, I get that. I've been through that. So the, the thing is, they kind of have to say, well, maybe Ernie knows what he's doing in Japan. But, you know, when you talk about Wendy, is you're talking about thousand people in head office that all have to justify their position their jobs And part of it is maybe you know they said listen we have to maybe Always say you know that maybe you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that and so on and so um, there's always the, these challenges of um, Working with The head office to make sure that they understand that I you know, I haven't gone off the deep end I'm not going too native I understand that you know we're trying to maintain a Wendy's image and still being successful and still being sensitive to the Japanese consumer as well as our Japanese competitors, which is why uh, we have to do things differently here. You know, I'm not selling to Americans here in Japan. I'm not dealing with American competitors, and this is the differentiation of why you have to go local, and uh, and sometimes it does drive you to go a little bit native. But this global, local, native thing is—it's a moving goalpost. It, it is always um, fluid, you know. And sometimes you have to go back a little bit, you know, say, "Well, this—you know—we are more of a, an American brand. Let's not lose that identity." But sometimes you have to go local, and really, sometimes you actually have to go somewhat native. And and when you keep on going back and forth, the people in, in you know Dublin, Ohio, say, well, "What is he doing?" <laughs> you know, oh no, what is he doing again? And so um, then, then I have to go through that uh, whole kind of, you know, story and kind of make sure that we're aligned. And, and uh, you know, I think rightfully so, I, I, I get it. But it is always a continuous uh,
1: dialogue. Uh, is that where from. you're putting most of your focus now? Or do you have other things that you're actually working on as well?
0: Well, you know, so Lance, um, when I did Domino's, I think I mentioned this, but we're the first ones to go to internet ordering, even before the U.S. And then they told me, you know, don't waste your time on for in internet ordering. And I and I, I did, which was a good thing. And now they're saying that Domino's in the States is all about the internet. So, you know, it shows you. But the IT, every industry has to be an IT company. And so again, with, you know, Wendy's First Kitchen, so besides being local and being native and all this kind of stuff that I mentioned earlier, how do we, you know, uh, enhance the IT component of this uh, business? And um, the first steps in preparation, of course, for originally the Olympics was, you know, all the, you know, we had expected originally people from all the world to come. And uh, so, you know, how to deal with the language issues. So what we did is we put in touchscreen kiosks that you can order in four different languages, so English, Japanese, Korean, and Chinese. Uh, you know, there, uh, and, um, but you still have that? We have that. So that, so they didn't okay. come. Uh, they did, well, you said they didn't come? No, the, the customers didn't come. No, I know, but you pr- still have but that. But we yeah. have that. They're and that's there. critical, because right. um, what it has done is that um, uh, actually it's, it's very user-friendly, and also, reduce reduced our, our labor costs because basically, you don't need someone in the POS system. We do have a person there if you need them, but most of the people now in our stores, uh, the customer just goes right to the uh, touchscreen kiosk. Okay. So, that was a one key uh, technology. We've also developed a mobile app, again, a bilingual English Japanese mobile app, but where you can order ahead of time. And then, uh, so you don't have to wait in line. You know, and and, uh, and then you come to the store. Once you come to the store, we, we can track that GPS systems. So then we start to prepare it once you get to the store, because you don't want a cold hamburger, you don't want a soggy French fry. But so once you go to the store, we know that and we know what you ordered already. And then we can start making it. So you just pick it up at the counter.
1: Let me ask. So at the counter, do you have people at the counter? Yes, of course. Okay, so it's not it's not automated that way, where you come up, press the button, and here comes your but, meal.
0: Yeah, no, but, but you're going go to go. They will pass. They will give you the your, your food. We have you okay, know we have to have a, a service component, which is right, okay. where the human okay. touch is. You need that. But on the ordering process it's is where we, it's we, all automated, we yes, right. and so we can uh, uh, order it ahead of time and mm. just pick it up. And again, you know, although that was also in preparation the Olympics. Given COVID, you know, people didn't want to stay in the store that long. <laughs> so this allowed them to spend less time to order ahead of time. Mean, yeah. So they're in and out. And uh so also that ended up being um good for, for COVID. By the way, touchscreen kiosks as well too. And
1: um You have Uber Eats as well. You yeah, have
0: you know, just in and out enough, right. uh, that that's important. Uh so you don't have this cluster effect. Uh and um but the the mobile phone uh, or mobile ordering uh, was another IT component. Now pushing the, the envelope a little bit more. So what I told you is, is you know, more or less uh, in in the U.S., you know, they are they do have touch screen kiosks, they do have mobile ordering, and 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 we were working, you know, on our own, but still in that direction. But we're we're trying to go one step further, and this is an experiment we're doing now in 12 of our stores. And uh, we're working with uh, uh, actually three companies. One is a, a subsidiary of uh, SoftBank. And uh, we're, if you enter the store, we have, a, a, and, and order a kiosk, we have a facial recognition thing, yeah,
1: you which so.
0: uh, uses AI. And, and c- so that you can actually pay with your face, and you can have a loyalty program if you register with your face and uh, so you don't need you don't need to do anything uh, uh and it's, it's all done with your face so this is the one step but um what does that do
1: to be take place
0: uh, we're, we're all experimenting we have it in our stores right now and so you have a few
1: people that have, have volunteered that have agreed to be a part of this
0: well so our stores are doing it already Well, we need people to register just real oh, okay. customers yeah okay. to 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 register their face so it's up to them so this is the thing though we, we we're still working on how to get more customers to register their face. Obviously, there's you know, some concern about you know, registering their face. What, what they don't realize is you know Japan has very strict uh, privacy laws. Right. So when you register your face, we actually do not keep the face uh, uh, on record. We just keep the biometrics, So just the features, so the face is, is, is not kept. And then after that, six months by, by the privacy laws, we actually also um, erase all the biometrics as well, too. But if you do that, you have the benefit of being able to pay with your face, the convenience of that, have our loyalty program, and, and everything. And and we're trying to develop more incentives for that. But if you don't want to register, we do also have the ability, what they call anonymous data, to be able to understand, um, you know, gender type, um, you know, uh, age, and so on, with ID, with more with uh, uh, AI and more accuracy. Uh, because you know at uh, the catcher in the sale l a seven eleven so on someone is actually doing that, taking right. uh demographics, but you know physically and guessing and uh, so this the this AI allows us to have more accuracy in terms of determining the demographics of our customers and what they actually ordered, and so on, and the next stage is actually take it to um, you know getting your last orders if you if you knew the last order you did then we can f- speed up the process so that the ordering process becomes, you know, easier, and you can just add or subtract. And so that's the next level. And um, but we're we're also trying to work on how we can drive new customers through um, some of the SoftBank um, affiliates, like uh, well, we're still in talks, but you know, to how I can get new customers well, and and register them on on, uh, on a platform so that they can uh, they don't have to register at the store level. Anyway, this is kind of very, very kind of um, cutting-edge stuff. Again, you know, the U.S. says, what are you doing, Ernie? And I'm saying, oh, well, so they're not doing that. <laughs> no, no, this is our stuff here in Japan. Again, we're all ahead of the curve, just like with dominoes. Mm. Uh, and and uh, so, um, so they're asking me, and so I said, well, listen, you know, don't worry, you know. <laughs> this, is, this all makes sense, we'll figure it out. And if it doesn't make sense, I'll stop, you know, that's the thing. Uh, and uh, so I, 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 I'm working on that, you know. It's uh, trying to develop the proof of concept of this thing, and if it does, does work, uh, it'll be very interesting. How long it is, have you, how it long have to you had it in place? Uh, just a couple months. It has given us a lot of actually um, great customer data, because you know at Domino's, because delivery, you have to give us your data, otherwise we can't deliver it to you. You have to give us your name, your address, your telephone number, or your email address, and things like that. We, and that data is very critical in understanding the customer's buying habits because that is then critical to developing a one-to-one marketing program so that we can kind of customize and try to get you to buy more, reduce your order cycle, or increase your average check. Now those are simple things, you know, a lot like what Amazon does. And, um, but I was doing that even before Amazon in, a, in a, a little bit more primitive way because they didn't have a lot of the, the IT solutions back then when I started, or even digital marketing companies back then. Now, of course, those things, um, our, you, know, you have that, but with a normal fast food, we don't know our customers, and this is a way to understand our customers and how they buy from us, how they, how they buy our products, how they use our, our services. And you know, today, as they say, the, uh, the oil of the 21st century is customer data. You know, that is the um, precious commodity. And and, and and of course how you slice and dice it, and that's a, about understanding the buying habits of your customers. Of course, second to none is like Amazon or you know Google or you know Apple. They really have this ecosystem built around their customer base and and, and how their customers uh, use their products. That's so critical because mm-hmm. then that allows you to do a lot of things, which is a win-win situation that you know gives your customer benefit, but also you, you, you get to sell them more things. Great. Uh, so that's kind of like the the, the the big picture. We're, we're trying to figure out how we can do that with our stores, and this is all experimental. So uh, we don't know, but we are already doing it in, in our stores, like in Akasaka, and we have a few stores here and there that were s- we started that.
1: You, did you do it in one in Roppongi? Uh
0: Yes, we, I, I believe Ripungi. I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I don't know all the stores that uh, we're doing it, but yeah, we have right, about right, 12 stores right. now in the test.
1: Here's yeah. the big question. Yeah about the products that you actually sell. Yes. Everyone's really concerned, always, about fast food. Right. Ever since I think they did that documentary with McDonald's, ah, yes. the guy ate a Big Mac every day and he supersized whenever they told him to. Right. Whenever they asked him, he did it. <laughs> well, we know, we know now, it's not so much the product, it's the fact that he was doing that. Yeah. You know, Too much of anything is not gonna fare well with you. I don't care what it is, or how how is supposed to be for you. How good is the food that is coming through Wendy's. Yes, I mean, where is it sourced? What is it? Grain-fed. I mean, that's the big thing that everyone yeah. worries about or, con- or is concerned about. What kind of food is it? <laughs> okay.
0: Well, uh, so Lance, uh, to your question, first of all, everything in moderation,
1: right? That's true. I mean, uh, I and,
0: and so you know, you can become a vegan, and and that's not bad for you. Uh, that's one extreme, or you can go the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, but my own philosophy uh, Not only for food, but for anything is everything in moderation. That's number one And so number two is you know if you really want a completely healthy meal you would not go to a fast food uh, uh, Hamburger
1: chain, so you think it's better for you to chain. eat at home. I mean have, have or, a prepared, or, a prepared yeah, meal or, or go to a salad a
0: store or whatever that 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 is you know what you should do but having said that, you know, uh, Wendy's being a, a major global chain is right. concerned about, first of all, food safety, number one. And of course about, you know, balance and health and, and you know, how we can be uh, uh, healthier. And, and of course, uh, uh, in all of our supply chain, there's always this, uh, we make sure that there is um, traceability. Uh, because when you're that big, you cannot afford to have an issue. Although it's never 100% in the food business, so you you, you know you have sometimes uh, an issue. But generally speaking, and this is part of being uh, you know affiliated with a major global chain, all of our uh, suppliers. We have a, a huge Q&A team from the U.S. head office that checks out all of the uh, manufacturers we deal with to make sure as the number one food safety. Is there quality? Assurances there and, and 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 you know um, Those things are all in place in terms of the products that we serve of course, you know, we also think, you know, can we make something that's healthy, you know Along with a balance so, you know, you might have you know, throwing like an avocado hamburger or whatever But you know that it, it is a, we have a fried product, you know, if fried Products an issue that then, you know, you you won't eat a hamburger, you know, and and so um you're not gonna go to Wendy's every day and Mm -hmm. that's not our objective Uh, and uh, you know it's it's something that uh, when you want a hamburger, when you want to eat french fries hopefully you'll come to Wendy's
1: is the product in Japan the same around the world
0: so basically the the quality requirements are the same the specs are the same and as I said the the team that uh, monitors all the manufacturers is the same but the manufacturers are are different because uh, logistics we, we will buy, you know, uh, say, uh, our most of the products from uh, logistically closer than, say, the U.S. U- U.S. oftentimes is within U.S. manufacturers. We do import products from the U.S. like the French fries, and that's because we have a huge contract with one of the major f- French fries manufacturers, and that's where the, the cost competitiveness is uh, for French fries, actually. They're the number one in the world, but not for every product, so it depends upon so the So maybe product.
1: your meat products might come from Australia. Correct. Example, or something like that. Yes. Okay. And then what about your poultry? Would they all come from Thailand, for example. From Thailand, okay. Yes. I see. I see. But whereas in the U.S., most of their meat products will come from, from the, US. the U.S., correct. Right, because they have so- yes. okay. That's interesting. And what about the, f- the, the way they're fed? I mean, the, you said there's standards for all of it, so I guess it would so
0: be. So it would be the So the Q&A the team, they, yeah, they go there, they check out the right. manufacturer for us, right. and they guarantee that these, these are the right guys, and they actually, you know, have to approve the manufacturer for us to buy from them. So, uh, and, and that's um, because they're a major chain. Have you ever had the
1: opportunity to go see see some of the products? My my
0: my people have. Oh, your people uh, have done yes. in this Yes, uh, so. uh, because um, my I have another company that's a trading company that imports food on for the for the. You're for doing the rest. That, that's, You and we that also, Yeah, and we, we sell to Wendy, so we actually buy from these manufacturers and, and sell to Wendy. Okay. So um, you know, uh, and and also to, to keep uh, cost competitive because you know it's um, it's arms length, but we try to obviously give the benefit. as as a trading company to to Wendy. So
1: you feel very, very secure about what the product is because you're already doing it. My own people are actually going there. So you already know what's happening, so it's not like you have to question what they're getting yes. you've, already, you've been doing it and you're doing it with other companies correct so we, we result to other major chains as well as convenience I stores i think i'll be going to wendy's soon <laughs> <laughs> try your so. re- but the hamburgers are a little bit more expensive you said correct
0: because the, uh, the quality you know so wendy's uh position even in the united states right is that it's uh, they they go for a little bit more of a, a quality hamburger quality can be determined in so many ways but first of all there's more meat okay. <laughs> first of all that's where the you words know, of beef and what about uh, the fillers? The fillers, because yeah. I think they use, some well,
1: places use onions, some places use uh, No,
0: but but both McDonald's and Wendy's, it's 100% beef, but okay. it's a matter of how much yeah. uh, uh, volume. And then, of course, there is some spec uh, involved in kind of the beef. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, um, so we, we, as I said, it's consistent around the world uh, in terms of the quality of the beef. But that, you know, Wendy's kind of, uh, every major chain takes pride in their products, and it's the best. So we're a bit above normal fast food, and, but not at the high-end side, and kind of in between their higher-end uh, side of, of fast mm-hmm. food. Because mm-hmm. there's always a price-value relationship uh, when you talk about quality. And so, you know, um, uh, but you know, we, given the price, we try to provide good quality. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's the best way to describe it.
1: Now, outside of Wendy's, in another area, I see you quite often. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say always. I see you quite often. With the diplomatic part of Japan, for example, their senators, the governors, the heads of top companies. Um, and I know you were over yes. the YPL. Yes, yes. YPO, and now I think they have one that's above that, you see, from yes. 40 and above. Yes. And are you still the... Head chairman of that. Well,
0: I, I and there's several grad, so-called graduating. One is a uh, YPO, Gold, YPO Gold, and uh, I was a chairman of the Japan chapter. And what but, is that? Forty and above? Uh, it's above fifty. Above fifty, okay. And uh, but I did my term. I'm done with that. Although, How long is the term? Uh, it's one year. They, okay. they they try to make sure that there's you know, always kind of a, a, you uh, you don't want to have someone like a dictator in power forever. So <laughs> the idea is that it's a yearly thing. But I'm also on the International Board of CEO, which is the other um, graduate organization. So in um, November, I'll be going to the board meeting in Florence, actually, uh, for that. But you do it different places every year. Uh, it, well, there, yeah. there are tons of things every year around the in terms of events. And okay. the board meeting happens to be in, in Florence. And mm-hmm. they, they have board meetings around the world globally, but uh, this time it's in Florence. But the events and the... It's a global organization, so they have many things going all around the place. But... Um, so yes, I'm still involved with, with that organization, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: There's something I'd like to ask you, but I'm gonna wait until we get a little bit more stuff out on the table. Sure. Why do you find, you, because of that organization, is that the reason why you stay very polit- politically involved?
0: Well, uh, actually YPO um, tries to stay out of politics. Um, so um, it's not a political it's, it's a, it's a organization, it's an organization of business people. Having said that, uh, a lot of the YPO members, because of, you know, their businesses and because they're uh, leaders uh, have a lot of relationships with a lot of politicians, just by, uh, you know, because that's just uh, how the world is. If you're a certain size business, you do have relationships with uh, with with government. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, with our events and so on, we we involve various different heads of states or you know, even royal families, imperial families to speak to us and you know, to learn about you know other countries and and more just beyond the business you know the political situation or the culture you know it's it's a very multifaceted um, educational uh, organization. It is really to you know. The, the goal is to make you a better president and, uh, and, and it's, so it's not only about you know, the business and bottom line, it's to learn a lot more about the world and different cultures around the world and, you know, and, and all the various facets. Of course, there is that connection, but the objective is, 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 is to, um, uh, all about kind of learning. Right.
1: Yeah. What's the size in Japan?
0: Well, gosh, you know, so the existing YPO members uh, chapter, that means those that are under 50, uh, I'm just guessing, but it's maybe about 170, 180 members. The graduate organization, we have um, two now. One is a kind of domestic YPO graduate organization. They made their own, separate from the international, which might be about, now about maybe 300 members. And there's a, another organization called YPO, so it's called NPO, and YPO Gold, which is um, uh, Still connected with the international uh, organization, and this would be, I think, now around 100 people or so.
1: Okay. Now, what other organizations are you involved in? I know that you started the safety driving uh, yes. program. Yes. So you're still involved uh, with that? Uh,
0: yes, I am. Uh, because that was your baby. That's the one. Right. That you it's a very important uh, organization um, for the delivery
1: industry. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it, how old is that? This one, like five, ten? How many years old is that now? Only because you have dominoes for 25
0: years, so that would yeah, be. It's it's it's, it's uh, quite an Establishing that's still important, still going strong because it's because uh, it's, it's critical. It's yeah, working with uh, the national police, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the way I I've used it, as you know, is to first of all make sure that all the delivery industry itself has grown actually since the days of dominoes uh, a lot. But obviously a big concern is, is safety driving. Uh, and, and so one of the things of course is to have the police involved with us to make sure that we train our drivers, our part-time drivers to be aware of safety driving. But the other thing is um, I made this organization so it's an industry organization-wide thing, only focused on safety driving. Uh, so it wasn't just for the whole industry but um, the, the other thing is that um, when I talked, originally talked to the, the, uh, the, you know, the National Police, they, they normally would not work with the private sector. And I said they should work with us because uh, if you look at the uh, safety accidents, the, the two biggest segments uh, uh, of the population that cause accidents are the older people and the very young people. The older people, our organization, we have you know no control over that. But for the younger people, they're working in our stores. We can have them trained by you and say, you know, you have to be safety. Uh, you know, safety driving has to be part of your thinking, how you drive, and so on. And you know, though they're part timers eventually they will leave the organization. But hopefully, there'll be some of that um, uh, safety driving kind of mindset uh, that. Um, They'll keep with them as, you know, as they go on. And uh, the the police liked that idea. They said, oh, this is a way for us to reach the young people. Because if they said, you know, we want to, you know, do safety drive, no one's going to show up, you know. But if they're forced to because they're working for our organization, you know, they have no choice. Because right. we're paying them to, to right. show up. Right. You know, and, and, and they said, oh, that's right. That, that makes sense. <laughs> so that's why I was actually, you know, um, I might have mentioned this, but you know, recognized by at that time Prime Minister Hashimoto for this. Right. Yes, right. And, 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 for and actually, since then, um, it's not because of that, but certainly the the, the uh, safety the
1: accident percent has come down actually. Right. Well, I'm sure they've come to you about this. I'm sure they can and said, Ernie, help us out with these scooters and these electric bikes. Ah, so you know, sit, talk to me.
0: So, yeah, so that's a whole other issue because yeah. they're what you call gig. Uh, kind of employees they're they're not uh, you know like uh, uh, so in, in terms of like these delivery companies uh, that do that work on on, on on bikes and so on that's another issue in terms of the scooters in general and bicycles that come out of nowhere I mean we 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 can only deal with people who work in in, in our stores and so on so that's a whole nother level and I think that's a an, an issue I know that when you drive around the world yeah, there there's yeah, more and more bicycles and they don't go by the rules.
1: But not just that. Yeah. These bicycles have batteries on them and they're going as fast as motorcycles. Yeah. No, that's, that's an issue. I,
0: I by the way, that's beyond beyond my capacity. Do you see the ones with the big tires? The yes. those
1: bikes with big tires. And then yeah. you have all these kids riding around with yes. these scooters, no helmets, nothing. Yeah. No,
0: so that, that of course goes beyond the, you know, the parameters of the of the safety driving association. Which I'm I I sure found it. But I'm sure you've thought about it. So But they are thinking about it. They mean the police, the government, so on, and it, it goes. You know, we can only deal with uh, yeah. the the part time of the work and within our okay. store or the stores. Do you have
1: any predictions place. as to what you think is going to happen with those two, particularly those two—the electric bikes and electric scooters—as well, far as regulations?
0: Yes, you know, um, I don't have any prediction because no one knows. But certainly, it's on the radar screen of, of, of the uh, of the police. It is becoming, uh, I think, uh, an issue, and uh, they have to do something about it because, um, you know, like everything else, I mean, the whole idea of, you know, um, autonomous driving, this whole trend of for cars, is to reduce accidents. But when you look at all these scooters and so on, it's like an accident waiting to happen. I, mean, I was wondering, They cause accidents. Is
1: it, are they causing a lot of accidents? I don't know i i, I all, all
0: i know is that you know i've seen so many close calls uh it, it does worry me you know i have not really seen a real accident no, in front not. of me but you know it, it seems like something that uh they, certainly the police department and the japanese government has to be worried about i'm sure they're thinking about how they should uh, make rules for that and who's
1: behind do you know who's behind putting those bikes? i mean what company is the one that's they're everywhere Yeah. and i've seen these little square green boxes lined off with tape, and you have the bike there, and I don't know how they're charging them. I don't know how it's set up. Do you know what the system is?
0: Uh, I know, I'm not an expert on that, but I know that there's a lot of these kind of startup companies that kind of um, you know, lease these bikes as a uh, ecological way to get around the city, so that sounds very good. It's kind of like part of this uh, green movement thing, and you know, of course that's good. Uh, having said that though there is the other side which is you know uh, the potential for accidents and so they really have to address that you know Lance uh, every kind of innovation and every kind of um, advancement uh, whether it's the internet whether it's cars and mobility and so on there's really positive things about it but there's also a dark side to almost any kind of you know uh, advancement and so you have to understand the dark side and 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 really deal with that in the case of these bicycles and so on they're very environment friendly they're healthy to, to, to ride and so on you know and, and it, it, there's a lot of great things about that and now you're able to do it you know with uh, all this kind of companies that lease it to you and go from A to B and then you can you know leave your bike there the dark side of it is that you know how do you handle the accidents just like the Internet, there's so many incredible things about the Internet. We get information and so on, but there's a dark side, there's even a dark web and so on, and how do you deal with that, and fake news and things like that. So it's not that you shouldn't do it uh, because there's good things, but it's how do you deal with the, the issue of accidents is really how you have to look at it. And, you know, there, there, when, when I was doing Domino's, uh, uh, in the beginning, uh, for scooters, there was no rule about wearing helmets,
1: That's right. but, we, yeah, below. but
0: we made uh, our company rule that you have to wear helmets, right. you know, because we we're concerned about our staff as, as well as, you know, potential accidents happening, and we wanted to make sure that everyone was safe. And it took a lot of effort to get these young people to wear helmets, because they didn't want to. It wasn't necessary by law and so on. Uh, but we knew that that was an issue. So the fact that you know, if you have these guys going on these you know, uh, battery-powered uh, bikes without uh, a helmet, you know, that doesn't sound like a good idea. So eventually you, know, you have to look at some of those things and say, what, what do we do about that issue? So you know, I don't think you, you ban that. But you really have to say, okay, we have to put some rules and regulations on that. Mm-hmm. It's just like with any kind of innovation, any kind of advancement, you know, the reason why you have it and it's growing is because, you know, it's good, it's, it, the, the consumer wants it, there's demand for it. You just have to make sure that, you know, you understand also what the the, That's the, right. the, the issues are with that, the, the, the dark side.
1: There's one question I'd like to end with, Ernie, and this sure. this. What advice would you give a young adult Ernie Higa? If you could go back in time and you had to give yourself advice just as you were starting to become an adult,
0: Okay, well, you know, <laughs> you are certainly hitting me with all kinds of difficult questions. And that's probably the most difficult one. Uh, because, number one, I don't think I'm the person to give any kind of advice. Uh, and, uh, but, um, if I were to give any kind of advice, and I don't know if I touched upon this in, in the podcast earlier, because I've forgotten all what I said before, <laughs> given my old age. Now this is to you. But to me, I know. But it would be to anybody as well as myself is to really understand your own personal strengths and weaknesses and even before you become a young adult uh, and um, to understand yourself because that then determines what you're good at and what you're not good at and understand what you're good at determines what your potential is and, and once you understand what your potential is then you know where you should focus your efforts and, and then that allows you to be successful in your own life everyone's potential is different so there's no like one standard for what successful is like it's not money it's not fame it's really each person achieving whatever potential they have and you know if there's huge potential but you're you're not achieving you're not even getting close to it that's not good if you have a smaller potential and you are achieving it you're successful so a, a success or you know achieving your potential is an individual thing the, the problem is understanding what your potential is and what that is, is actually understand yourself. And we spend our lives trying to figure out what we're good at and what we're bad at. I still sometimes do something that's, oh my god, I, this, I'm so terrible at this. this, is not my potential. You know, I, you know why did I do that? You know, I should not be doing this, you know. But uh, there's certain things, wow, you know, I, I'm okay at this, and uh, I'm finding out that golf is certainly not my potential, <laughs> you know. Tennis is not my potential. There's quite a few things I'm finding out at this age, although I haven't given up yet, but uh, but anyway, you know, that's going to always be just the hobby and never part of my potential. But, you know, if I, if I was younger, I already knew that I'm not going to be a basketball star because <laughs> I'm too short. You know, that's way outside of my potential. Or a ballerina because I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> like female. So, you know, a lot of things. Or, you know, yeah, I couldn't be like an acrobat like right. you. So, right. um, you know, or a gymnast. Right. So, I, I think that um, those are obvious things. But there are a lot of things we don't know about ourselves that are, and sometimes... You know, our friends or our family know us better than we do. And um, it's really to understand yourself quicker. I mean, we spend, I think, our whole lives learning more about ourselves, you know, and, and realizing, again, it's simply what we're good at what we're not good at. There's two things. Um, and, you know, I'm finding out that I'm, I'm not good at a lot of things these days. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and that's important because if, if you're not good at it, you know, then don't try to, you know, Keep trying to do something that you're not good at and, and really focus on what you are and and so um, it sounds simplistic, but you know I think if you really try to um, think about it that's really what every person should be striving for, and almost at any age I mean of course, as I said, you know you want to find out you know more about yourself earlier than later, but you know even at my age, I still am you know find out more things about myself you know, well, you know like, like, so you like today me. i'm trying to figure out am i good at podcasts or not <laughs> i don't know you i'm still figuring that out last thank you thank hey.
1: you so much yeah. I appreciate <laughs> it. all of you watching this podcast make sure you press like and subscribe and remember it's all unknown so continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed <laughs>